more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Uh, rewarded today at various remote locations around New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of the Fanatic PW's uh, Comics and Pop Culture Newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com, and you can find us on Twitter at at PW Comics World. I'm Kate Simmons. I'm a podcast producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And also don't forget, since you're staying at home with nothing else to do, that you can leave a comment about us. You can give us some feedback, rate us on iTunes, uh, rate us anywhere you listen, give us, let us know how we're doing. We love to hear from our listeners. Plus, we're lonely. I mean, I don't even go into work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Say something. Talk to us. Yeah. Yes. So this week. All right. Well, this if week only. If... <laughs> All right. This week if... on More to Come, uh, culture canceled. Uh, what's up with DC and, uh, you know, yeah, let's get right to it. Well, um, while Heidi and Calvin are at home avoiding coronavirus, alas, given my other job, I am on the front lines, um, working with, uh, people, many of whom live in homeless shelters in the New York city area. So roll the dice. Chances are I'm going to catch it. Well, let's hope not. Um, be careful out there. Yeah, Kate, be uh, careful. Kate. Of course, you are a young, healthy woman, and, um, yeah. you know, you are at very low risk of, uh, you know, you're in the very low risk group, and, um, you know. I, mean, I however, yeah. Yeah. I, however, am <laughs> over 60 and in the high-risk area, mm-hmm. so. I am in uh, the risk area. I'm over 50, and I'm in the risk area. So, you know, so, I go right. into my little WeWork office, but I don't actually, you know, I don't touch anything. Or I do, I hand sanitize every time. You know, there's nobody in my office, so I feel like I'm pretty safe there. Um, and, um, but, uh, you know, when I go on Pokemon raids, and, um, you know, this is as we speak, it's Thursday night, uh, March 12th, Friday the 13th is tomorrow, you will be listening to this. And so far, we're under a state of emergency. We haven't had a quarantine um, announced, but guess what? I would be super duper surprised if we didn't get some kind of quarantine. Well, I mean, Mayor de Blasio did issue a, a state of emergency today, um, yes. you know, banning any event uh, uh, over 500 people. So, uh, you know, yeah. something's going on, obviously. Yes. And, um, and, 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 oh, and restaurants have to cut down to half capacity. Yes. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. That's right. Um well, they'll be at half capacity anyway, so, um, yeah. you know, I mean, everybody well, is look, sterilizing with alcohol or, or actually medicating with alcohol, so, you know, that's the... <laughs> and, and obviously we have a, you know, a, a fairly long and, incre- and and growing list of comics events of all kinds, um, so publishing let, events of all kinds that are being canceled and or postponed. And, so let me, let me just paint a little picture for you guys, because it was only... Not this last weekend, but um, just after the last time that we spoke, when I jetted off to Chicago for C2E2, uh, which I can talk about a little bit, uh, and, you know, we were, at that point, it was like, do you think uh, Emerald City will be canceled? And I was like, yes, it will. And then for the next week, we had this kind of seesaw battle over between Reed Pop and the city over whether Emerald City would be canceled. I mean, you know, in, in the world that existed uh, in our minds, I would be actually be in Seattle right now. Um, But I'm not, you know, they did announce it, and then everyone was like, you know, but I'm sure WonderCon is fine. Well, guess what? Pretty much everything is canceled through um, May 1st, including March Madness. Yeah, believe me. And Um, baseball, and hockey, and basketball. Yeah, stunning. Um, And um, now we're, we're, we're talking about, in some cases, postponements or what they hope to be postponements. Uh, we will soon find out about that. Um, obviously, uh, yesterday, uh, the Mocha Arts Fest here in New York City announced that they were rescheduling. Uh, they, they expect to have, uh, some dates by next week. Uh, we'll have to see what's happening. I mean, this is happening all across the book world, of course, mm-hmm. and the impact on, you know, publishing bottom lines, um, 
not to mention publishing mental health will will be uh, uh, will probably take up in future podcasts. Mm, yeah, I mean this is this is the big one, you guys. It really is, you know, and I it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Yeah, I mean it's going to get a lot worse in terms of um, you know the health toll, obviously. Um, but the economic toll is going to be, uh, in, incredible, you know, it's going to be 9-11 level, if not worse. Yeah, it's going to be very devastating yeah. on a national level. Um, yeah. uh, my, I mean, do you guys personal... know about anything that, for instance, wait, wait, Kate, uh, Emerald well... City's doing around, um, you know, people that, you know, were, you know, weren't able to present? Yeah, and, I, I mean, could, I could jump on that. Yeah, Kate... I have stuff on that, guys. Listen mm-hmm. to me. Okay. Hey, so yeah, we have stuff. Um, so incidentally, uh, Emerald City Comic Con, there was a huge upswell of, of different ideas that people had in order to uh, minimize the economic and creative impact of it. So um, for one thing, um, the geek fashion retailer, Volante Design, um, was doing its own, was doing its own like, mini con of um, online panels with online specials. Um, Seattle-based game studio, Very, Very Spaceship, is having the Very, Very Shopping Network live on (laughs) Twitch where uh, several members of the team will sort of be hosting a marathon selling stuff show with also guests who are creators, cosplayers, and other people who couldn't go to Emerald City Comic Con because it's not happening. Um, uh, one of the coffee shops in Seattle, Distant World Coffee Shop, is, is hosting an Artist Alley pop-up event. Um, there's just a, you know, a bunch of people springing up to volunteer to, like, pick up packages and ship them back to their original owners. Because, you know, a lot of people just mail their, their inventory ahead. And that can be a problem when the con doesn't actually happen. Mm, like, are sure. you actually in travel to just Seattle to retrieve your stuff? But other creators are stepping in to help out with that. Yeah. Listen, um, the, I'll tell you one thing. The community will survive this. You know? Yeah. The, com- yeah. Community, yeah, the community will is, survive this. Yeah. But not only will the community survive this, the community is actively doing stuff to, to try to salvage something, anything out of this. Because, well, I deeply believe that the American economy as a whole will bounce back. In the meanwhile, the little guy mm-hmm. is going to be hurt for a bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen. And could I'll, be hurt very seriously. I mean, I'll tell you, I already lost one of my advertisers. I lost a major, major advertiser whose, um, you know, whose income mm. I was counting on. So I, I've already felt the effects of this. And, of course, I understand, you know, it was a convention. Mm. And, of course, you know, they're, I mean, they're all postponed. So I understand, you know? Um, yeah. It, well, you know, the postponement of the... Um, uh, the London Book Fair and of the uh, the Bologna Children's Book Fair is going to strike. Well, it's going to hit the bottom line of everybody. Mm-hmm. It's hitting the bottom line of Publishers Weekly, um, uh, and and you know everybody's going to be scrambling to try to make up revenue. Mm-hmm. That's right, and um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of rich people out there who had a lot of money sitting around, and um, you know, you maybe have a little Schadenfreude that you know they lost it all because you know the stock market is tanking. Um, by the way, yeah, but the thing about money that's in the stock market is that stock. If you, as long as you don't panic sell, the stock market can come back. Yes. Yeah. So if you're the big fish, you just don't panic sell. You wait a year, and suddenly you'll be as rich as ever. Yeah. If, if I mean, it was very, very high, but. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very high, but it'll bounce back. If not maybe to quite those extreme heights, it'll bounce back. Mm. It's it's the people who are companies that are, are a little more tenuous because maybe they're growing, maybe they're new, um, you know, creators who are independent or freelance. And, of course, and you know, depend the a lot on that convention. The service workers that... The service workers that yeah. keep these, you know, uh, events, you know, going um, and functioning. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anybody so. involved with the convention industry is going to be hit really hard. Yeah. And a lot of those are the people who run the convention centers and the hotels. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, this is definitely a trickle down um, economic crisis. And, uh, you know, I've 
been supporting some artists like I, you know, I would have spent a lot of money had I gone to Emerald City. Um, and uh, so I'm taking a little bit of that money and spending it on some of the exclusives. I mean, I don't need more things. I don't need more books. I don't need any of that. But, you know, I'm spending it on a few people just to kind of pay it forward just a little bit. But, you know, now I got socked, so I need to cut back. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, well, let me. Can I ask you guys this? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's an elephant, you know, in in our virtual room, um, the mother of them all, the San Diego Comic Con. I mean, isn't there a, 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 a right now at least a limited ban on massive events? Well, yep. the thing is that that is for now. But the thing is that the mass event is in July, and they haven't yep. really. It's the ba- they haven't really set the ban out that far. Yeah. And I don't know if the ban is nationwide. I know the ban is in New York State, but I don't know yeah. if the ban is, is national yet, is it? No, it's no, not. No, no, I'm talking of about the, the California. Right. Well, There's California. A, I thought it was a California. Yeah. So, you know, here's one thing that I, I saw, you guys. Now, I, I saw it on Twitter, so I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, it was from a <laughs> news source. But it was saying, like, I, and you know, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a political podcast, but um, I'm sure a lot of listeners in their hearts – uh, you know, like our government's response has been a bit all over the place. How's that? I'll, I'll put it as charitable yeah. as I possibly can. I think we know what you mean. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it's been a bit scattered and inconsistent. Um, you know, Boris Johnson in the U.K., uh, you know, not a fan of his, but he's been, you know, kind of addressing it better than some other people. Mm. Uh, but anyway, they expect, you know, the U.K. doesn't quite have the level that, you know, we don't know. We don't have testing. But in the U.K., yeah. they expect it to peak uh, at the end of May and early June. So, you know, what looks like we are going to be entering in March and April, um, pretty, pretty severe times. Okay. So we're not going to see this peaking, um, anytime soon. Now, middle of July, you know, um, I'd like to think that we can, um, you know, bounce back by then because for God's sake, we can't live in our homes quite that long. You know, I mean, we're already out of toilet paper here in New York. It's pretty severe. Um, but, um, you know, this isn't going to end next week or the week after or even next month. You know, I mean, we are looking at at least two months of very severe, you know, everything, life as we know it is very, very different. Yes. Yeah, that is the case. Um, and I do think we should mention uh, that, you know, um, I've noticed people uh, um, saying things are canceled when they're postponed. Now, I understand that right. <laughs> cancel, you know, postponements can very quickly become cancellations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but WonderCon, if I'm not mistaken, right, it has been postponed. Yes. Yes. Although no, di- no dates right. have been announced. Emerald City has been postponed. MoCA has yes. been postponed. Uh, um, WonderCon has been postponed. Now, what about the London Book Fair? I believe that was canceled outright. That's correct? canceled. Yeah. Absolutely. So and you know what? The, the Bologna Fair was originally postponed mm-hmm. but has now been canceled. Right. So, Calvin, what do you think will be the economic effects of that? Um, well, it's going to be pretty devastating, actually. I mean, um, um, uh, the Bologna Book Fair is <laughs> – I mean, uh, I have to admit, Bologna Book Fair is uh, is a trade book show um, that Book Expo wishes it was. I mean, it's it was – it's growing. It's, it's, it's an – a, a magnet internationally. I mean, it always has been a rights marketplace. Mm-hmm. That's why it was started. Uh, Book Expo here in the States, there's a little rights uh, efforts around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all tried to pump it up. Publishers Weekly actually uh, tried to do the same a couple of years ago with the New York Rights Fair, but didn't quite work. Uh, it, it, it's, um, it, it's a really signature event in the publishing industry. And um, – Scores, hundreds of properties are bought and sold, um, you know, uh, from the U.S. to to Europe and back uh, every year. So now that isn't all going to go away because we live in this wonderful of technology and video conferencing and Skype and, you know, and FaceTime. So many people are setting up virtual uh, meetings. I mean – uh, it's a, it's there's thirty thousand people come uh, to the Bologna Book Fair and they're all professionals. There's no consumers at all, mm-hmm. and it's growing. But most devastating and disappointing, I think, for us from our little slice of the marketplace, is this was the first year of the comics uh, yes. corner 
organized by friends of the show, Ivanka, uh, working in consultation with the Children's Book Fair. They they had projected 40 or 50 publishers the first year of the ex, uh, yeah. on the ex- exhibition floor. So that's really sad to hear that that's, um, that's not going to take place now. Correct. Yeah, it's very sad. I mean, listen, you know, I mean, if you're old like me and Calvin, you've been through things like, you know, we've been through 9-11. I mean, I've been through an earthquake. I've been through a riot. And, you know, I've been through these things. And, you know, you come back. But, you know, there's a lot of, there's unfortunately a lot of damage, uh, you know, collateral damage along the way. But, you know, we'll come back. I mean, people are going to want to still go to Comic-Cons. I mean, so in the case of WonderCon... It's it's a well-known fact that uh, Comic-Con International has a huge war chest. I mean, you can look on their, yeah. um, you know, their filings as they're a nonprofit. They have, like, millions of dollars in the bank. The reason they have that, they always say, is because of this, like, in case they have to cancel or postpone. And, yeah. um, you know, there, as I well, said, uh, Kate, I'm sorry, go on. Oh, I was going to say that, that, and this is not unheard of, and this is something that not every convention does, because um, the romance writers in America are having a great deal of trouble because um, they have contractual obligations to run um, the Rita Awards and um, a convention, and most of their authors have pulled out and want nothing to do with them, and they're still stuck with, you know, potentially almost a million dollars of of contractual obligation and no money to pay it. Well, listen, one industry that's going to really take a beating is the insurance industry here. You know, like if you have an event, you need to have insurance for it because if there is a, you know, I was going to say that, you know, San Diego is in Southern California. They don't have earthquakes in San Diego necessarily, but hey, you never know. In Anaheim, they absolutely could have had, you know, there could be an earthquake. Sure. There mm-hmm. could be a tsunami. There could not, there's, uh, you know, uh, there could, you know, Southern California is prey to a lot of different natural disasters. So having insurance, um, a very good example is the pandemic con that was to be held in Houston a couple of years ago and a hurricane came and they ended up using the venue as a shelter for people. So they had to cancel mm. that, you know, and he, uh, he told me he didn't have insurance. So it's a pretty expensive, interesting, yeah, no. pretty expensive. I've heard that, um, South by Southwest, which has also been canceled are having some insurance issues as well. Uh-huh. This is so unanticipated right? that something like this would um, come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but, you know, listen, people have been planning for this all along, like smart people have. I mean, you know, <laughs> like if you're in South, yeah. you know, Southern California, you have a go bag, you know, mm-hmm. you know, escape routes. I mean, these are not things that you take for granted. Um, if you put on... You know, if you're a, a carrier, uh, airline or bus carrier, you know, you if you're a smart business, you've talked about pandemics. You know. Mm, um, yeah. Well, yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we certainly but, should have been if we mm-hmm. haven't been. Uh, can I bring yeah. up also um, uh, TCAF and VanCAF? Sure. Yes. Um, obviously, uh, uh, two really great uh, Canadian shows uh, coming up in May. And um, the last I heard, they did issue a statement um, uh, Wednesday night that the shows were proceeding as planned. Uh, I have been scoring, uh, excuse me, scouring um, the uh, Canadian and the Toronto public health websites. And they seem to not be having the same level of infection. and uh, the, and um, a much lower number of cases reporting. I don't know how much testing they're doing, uh, but uh, in the statement that the uh, TCAF organizers put out, they said that they, you know, a Canadian public health is not urging people to cancel events, and they will continue to issue updates. So we will see. Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, and I mean. I think with Emerald, you know, Emerald City was one of the first events in our space that went through this. And, you know, we we're all like, you got to cancel, you got to cancel. You know, there are reasons not to announce that you're canceling it, you know. Like, I think everybody is being, I mean, they closed Disneyland today. So that's pretty major. I mean, shutting down all four, five, all five sports leagues. I mean, that's yes. as big as it gets. This is, this is as huge oh, as it March gets. Madness yeah. is done. Yeah, over? yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they quite... haven't announced what's going to happen to WrestleMania yet, but... Um, you know, it's um something's going to happen, you know. Oh, something's <laughs> yes. You know. I mean, CUNY, 
CUNY, uh, my, Jody, my wife and friend of the show, they're they're sending everybody home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, all of the schools are doing this, yeah. really. And I mean, I, I work uh, by myself. I have a little office um, for, but, uh, you know, I have no, I can send myself home, basically. And Calvin, <laughs> you're working at home. And Kate, you know, listen, God bless you. I Kate. am working at home. Kate, you are, uh, you you're know, on the front lines. Yeah, you're on the Kate front lines. And yeah. we, we salute you. I mean, we don't take that for granted. You know, all of, you've, all of our first responders um, are on the line. And, um, you know, we're reminded again just how important that is. So. Yeah, I, I myself am not a first responder, listeners, but, you know, if you work in a clinic with the public, there's just nothing you can do to replace that. Yeah. You just, you know, have the cleaning staff work twice as hard and and remind everyone to use hand sanitizer and hope for the best. Yeah. But realistically speaking, I'm going to catch it. I'm not too worried. It doesn't bother me very much because I think if I catch it, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, I I would prefer not to, obviously, because then I might spread it to someone before I even knew if I had it. Yeah, Kate, stay away from Calvin, okay? And me, because <laughs> I'm an old dude. Yeah. So yeah, Heidi, d- d- um, uh, did you get? You mentioned catching us up with some DC stuff. Sure. Yeah. You so uh, just a mere to you know two weeks ago, I was in Chicago for C2E2, and uh, we were joking about will this be the last con of the year? And I mean, we didn't. You know, it was just, a, you know, just Precious. 14 years, 14 years, 14 years, days ago, seems like 14 years ago. Um, and, you know, just 14 days ago, it seemed like, a, you know, jolly. We were joking about it and, um, you know, lighthearted. Uh, so and, and you know, C2E2, I'll tell you, uh, I, at the time. I said to my companions, I was actually rooming with Bridget Alverson and Johanna Draper Carlson, friends of the podcast, and a little plug, I I do another podcast with Bridget and Johanna uh, called Three Women in a Hotel Room, and if you go on SoundCloud, you can find it there. Um, But, uh, you know, we were joking that, you know, if this was the last con, it was a good one to go out on because it had everything. You know, uh, it, it was kind of like if you took what they tried to do with New York Comic Con, which is, as we know, um, sorry, listeners, I know you're sick of us saying this, but, you know, compacted into this, you know, unsuitable venue, whereas McCormick Place in Chicago is vast. It's something like, you know, 5 million square feet or something. And um, so they just had room to spread out. So there was like giant wide aisles and, you know, huge uh, waiting areas and massive area just to sit down and listen to string quartets and um, you know, everybody was joking. We were fist bumping or elbow bumping. I don't recommend elbow bumping because you, um, you know, you cough into your elbow. So, um, I, but the, the new thing is like using the Vulcan salute to greet people. So I, 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 I endorse that. But, um, anyway, the, the reason why we were at C2E2 was because it was the first con post, um, post Dandadia, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, and of as we talked about on our last podcast when the you know the world was young and we were happy. Um so Jim Lee uh the um the new publisher and the sole publisher yeah. of uh DC was there. So they had had a meet the publishers panel and it was canceled. Um however uh, Jim went ahead and did his uh spotlight on and he came out and he addressed uh, the rumors, and he said, you know, there's all these, uh, you know, time, uh, uh, AT&T is going to shut down DC Comics, and you know, he said, don't listen to, uh, you know, he, he's, you know, don't listen to these rumors. DC is going to be around in another 80 years. Um, you know, he said that. So what I'm, one of the things that he did was he talked about his career, and he mentioned with um, when he was running Wildstorm that you know, as the head of a company, you you have a lot of weight on you to to take care of your employees. And I, I thought that was a little coded message to say mm-hmm. that he takes running DC very seriously. So what I understand from now, Jim is the sole publisher. Um, he is running the company, so this hasn't really come out yet. But um, you know, the whole five G thing has been changed quite a bit. It's being scaled back. It's going to be an event, not a reboot. Uh, and um, from what I hear, and mm-hmm. um, the other thing that I hear now, Jim Lee, I might have mentioned this in the last podcast, but um, he is a delegator. Dan Didia was a micromanager, so you got a big change there. And uh, Jim has apparently told the editors, hey, do what you want. You're in charge. (laughs) I'm not going to micromanage your lines. And I'll tell you right now, Jim is not a micromanager. He's not going to come busting into your office and say, wait, you had, you know, Wally West say, what? 
So, um, so we're going to return to the editors kind of running their own lines. And then DC made two announcements this week. Uh, one of them was like, uh, Jeff Johns, the long lost Jeff Johns, his Three Jokers book was finally announced. And you guys, um, Mariko Tamaki is the new writer on Wonder Woman. Yeah. Did you hear that? Wonder, yeah. Yep, I did. Yeah. Did a little story about it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's just a few months ago we were talking about how she's an all-star. So, you know what? I couldn't be happier about that. Now, apparently that work, you know, move was in the works for a long time. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't necessarily because of this change. But, um, you know what? If that's the direction we're going in, I'm happy. And Jim also yeah. said that um, he – I'm looking, trying to look for the quote. We had a nice article about it up here on the beat if you want to see uh, uh, he said, um, that he, he does want to kind of, um, you know, allow, um, diverse voices to come through and appeal to different kinds of audiences. And, um, you know, that's, uh, the way he sees it. So I, I, I think if, as long as Jim is in charge, I think we're going to see things go in a positive direction. Good. Well, that's good. All right. Um, sounds good to me. Yeah. Kate? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I hear all that, but I, I have, I admit, less view of the inside than, say, Heidi McDonald does. Huh. Um, my time at DC was strictly as an intern and extraordinarily cordoned off into vertigo. I mean, seriously, when I was taken on as an intern, they are like, oh, there are all these other in- interns. I saw, like, maybe two of them huh. once. Because Vertigo was its own little walled garden. You're very you lucky, just, Kate. I, 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 you're very, very lucky. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe I was. But so I, I really, I don't know it from the inside, really. Um, but part of me is still wondering what the aftershocks of this change are on DC as a whole. Um, how something like 5Gen can be switched into just a minor event and not a reboot and i mean just what chaos must be going on there right now <laughs> i'll be probably remote chaos right well now. I mean, one of the things still. that i understand about 5g is that it wasn't really in a finished form and that's one of the reasons why the you know why things went down the way they did like dan kept changing his mind about a lot of things and so it wasn't in a finished form and so pulling the plug on it wasn't as hard as you might think because it hadn't gone to the point where they were, you know, like had all the solid plot lines and all the, you know, who is history's greatest villain? And, you know, what did Wonder Woman do? And remember, I read all those questions last time. So, yeah. you know, I think uh, it's, it's you know, some people at DC are always obsessed with continuity and Dan DiDio is one of them. Some people are not obsessed with continuity and Jim Lee is one of them. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. Okay. All right. Anything else anybody has to say about uh, this crazy world well, we live in? Well, actually, listeners, I'd like to ask you guys to make some, some, you know, give us any information you might have or anything you might have heard about ways in which this this comment, this, you know, worldwide phenomenon is is affecting, you know, the comics industry or the comics consumer. Um, if you run a comic shop or or work in a comic company and, and you have any information for us about, you know, what it's like out there or, or how you guys are experiencing it, please let us know. We want to hear. Yeah. And uh, how would they let us know? Well, Heidi, don't we have an email address? We do. I think we announced it last. We did. <laughs> in the last one. And, and which one was it? <laughs> yeah, it was, yes, PW, it was yeah. PW Comics World at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So you can email us there, or you can tweet at us at PW Comics World. Yeah, on Twitter for sure. Yes, that's right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so please do contact us, and um, you know, everybody, stay safe. Uh, you know, like I said, as old timers, uh, I, I, uh, you know, after nine eleven, I had lunch with my grandmother who. Uh, was born in the 20s and I said which is worse this or Pearl Harbor and she said Pearl Harbor was worse because uh, it was uh, you know so widespread and you know these these horrible things happen and we we go through them and you know we emerge stronger from it and um, you know well this too shall pass it's going to be well that's very good yeah 
Yeah. I think that's a, a, that's a, actually a great way to die. And if I may invoke my own um, mother who's passed away now, but right after 9-11, I was talking with her on the phone, and I'll never forget this. She did say to me, I guess she thought I sounded worried, and she said, don't worry. This is a strong country. Mm-hmm. So I was – yeah, so I, I – you know, um, I like to think about my mom at times like this. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, sending out good vibes to all the parents out there who – of all of yes. our – uh, you know, listeners who, who might be more at risk and, you know, including my own Absolutely. mother. And, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things, um, that can happen as, you know, illness. Nobody wants to get sick. Um, you know, uh, the economy, nobody wants that to happen to, 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 to fall. But, uh, you know, um, loss of life. I mean, let's just keep each other safe out there. You know, wash your hands. That's really the yes, number, wash, the yes, number yes, one I've, thing you I've can do. I've never washed my hands so much. It is. My ever. nails are like <laughs> tinder. So, but you know uh, what? It's worth it. it and Kate, listen, well, Kate's, well, yeah. Stock up on, on the one thing you need for this that uh, thankfully there's no run on is moisturizer yes, and moisturizer because you're going to be washing your hands a lot if you're doing it right that's right and kate listen we send all our all our love to you um you know to stay safe during uh, this. along with a hearty message of stay away from us yes. well, 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 no yes. you don't want to make us you don't want to get us sick no you don't so no, uh, i don't want to get you sick but yeah. you yeah. know I, I, I'm, I'm not but anyway so you guys, um, since, you know, we're so, uh, obsessed about uh, coronavirus, not that much news, but guess what? I did some interviews at C2E2 back when the world was young and happy. Um, I had a talk with Joe Hill about his, uh, capsule imprint at Vertigo and Horror. And actually, man, what a delightful interview he is. Uh, we could have talked for, for an hour, man. Uh, and also I talked to James Tynion about, uh, Punchline, the new character oh, cool. in Joker who, the, the Joker War, who's, uh, setting the world on fire. So, uh, without further ado, here's uh, live from C2E2. Welcome to More to Come, PW's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I'm Heidi McDonald, Editor-in-Chief of Beat at CommonSpeed.com. And today I am at C2E2 in Chicago, and I am talking to the fabulous Joe Hill. Hi, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Well, good. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, So, Joe, uh, obviously you've done so much. Uh, Written comics, you're a novelist, uh, you're launching your own pop-up imprint, or has launched at DC. Yeah. Uh, Lock and Keys, probably your best-known creation, is that fair to say? Um, that's an interesting question. I don't know. Is it? Yeah, I mean, probably it's, probably it is the best, the thing I'm best known for. It would either be that or, um, um, I had a, my third novel's, uh, book called Nosferatu, which is about a, a, a bad man with a car that runs on human souls instead of gasoline. And that was made into a TV show on AMC. So whenever you get a TV show, you know, you've got like this, this advertisement, this big, you know, multi-million dollar advertisement for your book. So it's either Nosferatu or Lock and Key. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I, you reminded me of Nosferatu because that had a huge push and, and it had the, the license plate. Yeah. That said, NOS 4A2, so yeah. which is really a, a great, it was very catchy. Right, when you sound it out as the, yeah. the German word for vampire. Yeah, right. so, uh, but the Lock and Key TV show, uh, or yeah. streaming show, what do we call them now? It's a TV show, you know, it's a TV show, it's on, you know, it's on Netflix, it dropped, uh, about a month ago, mm-hmm. and, uh, seems like, it's, it seems like it's done pretty well for them. Yeah. So, and it was, it was made, so the show, the show was made by, uh, Carlton Cuse, who is the brain behind, you know, shows like, uh, Lost, and Jack Ryan on Amazon and uh, Base Motel and The Strain. And I was thinking about Carlton. So Carl, I, I love Carlton. Carlton's been a real mentor to me in the last couple of years. And I was trying to think about, like, what is Carlton Cuse's genre? Because different showrunners, different TV showrunners have genres. Like Stephen Bochco makes, like, you know, cop shows. And, like, Dan Harmon does weird comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was thinking, like, what is Carlton Cuse's genre? And I figured out his genre is hits. <laughs> Carl's, Carl's genre is making hit shows. Yes. Um, so, and, and also, uh, he's co-showrunner with Meredith Avril, who's a terrific, brilliant writer. She worked on, uh, The Haunting of Hill House with Mike Flanagan. Oh, that show was so and, good. Yeah, and she, she just understands, you know, she understands the language of horror fiction. She gets fantasy. She understands family and how to write, you know, uh, uh, uh teen, you know, teen stories. And so she was able to capture sort of you know, she was able to to um, 
I think the challenge with Lock and Key is it's it's so many things. Mm-hmm. It, it's so many overlapping genre stories. It's a coming of age story. You know, it's teen romance. It's you know, it's a mystery. Um, it's it's dark fantasy. And she was able to sort of corral all those different genres and make them work together instead of pulling against each other. Well, um, I, I, I want to talk. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're having you know, a, a great time right now, but also with the Hill House imprint at DC Comics. Yeah. So that was like, you got to put the, put your little pop-up together, right? So was this something you'd been scheming about or dreaming about? Or? So it was something, it was something that we got talking about with, something I got talking about with Mark Doyle uh, at DC. Mark was the, at that time the senior editor of the Vertigo imprint. And I had pitched him on the idea of doing Blumhouse for comic books. Mm-hmm. So basically, Blumhouse is a film studio that turns out you know, two or three hyper-intelligent, beautifully crafted horror movies every year. I think they started with Paranormal Activity, and since then there's been films like you know, Oculus and The Conjuring and Get Out. Um, I want to say they did It Follows, which is really creepy and upsetting. Oh, that's such a I good think movie. It was, I think they did yeah, It Follows. Yeah, I think so, too. It's a very Blumhouse movie. You know, and, and the, uh, the Purge movies, for sure, they did. Um, and and so um, I thought I thought it would be great, you know, it would be great to... This has been a terrific moment for horror, a great era for horror, and I'd like to cut comic books in on the action. And so I presented them with this idea of doing um, a set of, of stories with beginning, middles, and endings, enclosed stories stories, not long-running series, six issues, seven issues, different creators and different artists, each telling the scariest story they could come up with. Um, and so I've done a couple, uh, Basketful of Heads and Plunge. Um, we've been working with National Book Award nominee Carmen Maria Machado and the Greek artist Donnie uh, on a terrific story called The Lolo Woods, which is sort of like, you know, David Lynch meets David Cronenberg. Um, there's a TV writer named Laura Marks um, who's wor- working with a, you know a, a grandmaster of horror illustration, Kelly Jones, on a story called Daphne Byrne. Um, Mike Carey, who wrote The Girl with All the Gifts um, and did the Lucifer comics right. for DC, um, is tackling the Dollhouse family, and you know, and so far readers seem to be responding. They seem to really dig them. Are these? I mean, I imagine uh, these will be collected as well, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I assume there'll be, you know, the the. I don't know if I, I think we're talking about hardcover trades. I, I was going to say, are they yeah. going to have like a cute little like Hill House like on the spine? So I hope so. On. Yeah, they better. Yeah, I DC, hope. If they don't, I'll probably. Yeah, play. DC. If you're listening, please make them like these really cool yeah. like collected uh, because it's going to look so nice when you put them. Because all the I, I I haven't had a chance to read them, but running so fast to get here listeners you know but um like the concepts are so intriguing i mean i can't wait after i've had a chance to talk to joe i'll be able to read all these books but well so 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 it sounds a little crass and commercial but i do think it's important you know one of the things i talked about with with the 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 people we brought in on hill house is you want every story um you want to be able to explain every story in one big fat elevator pitch you know, a couple mm. sentences, and 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 while the elevator pitch is much derided, I do think I do think if you can't tell people what your story is about, especially if you're working in the genre space, if you can't tell people what you're working on in a couple sentences ago, uh, sentences or two, and make it sound good, you may not have thought the story all the way through yet. Well, it's interesting you say that because I do think what you were saying earlier about Lock and Key is that, you know, that's kind of does resist the elevator pitch a little bit. No, I don't think it does. Yeah. The, uh, you know, um, yeah, I prove it. Lock and Key is the story of a family that suffers a terrible trauma and then relocates to their ancestral family home, Key House, to recover. Once they arrive there, the kids begin discovering that the house is full of enchanted keys. Every key unlocks a different... Uh, door and activates a different supernatural power. Of course, there's a bad guy who wants to get the keys, and there's especially one key that that bad guy should never be allowed to get. I, I, Boom! That elevator was pitch. Good, it was we open, good. The elevator good. door is open. All We're right, on the tenth okay. floor, and and, but, but and I, the producer is signing the contract but, but, right look, there. I'm not. I'm not saying this. I'm saying it's you know it's yeah. a wonderful property and it's oh, a wonderful you. story. No, it's 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 beautiful, and Gabriel's work is great. I'm just saying. Okay, I want to say uh, they had what, acts. What's your, the the title of that book? The oh, basketful heads. Basketful heads. It's like a woman finds an axe that has a mind of its own. I mean, that's boom. Yeah, boom, <laughs> boom. And then, and then, and then she makes all the male jerks in her life pay. Yes. Well, it turns out, it turns out she's surrounded by men who got it coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, but yeah, that one is a very direct. 
pitch. We get that one right. Uh, yeah. Chop to the neck. Um, do you think, what does it take to make comics scary, you know? I mean, I think, you know, you have to work within the particular language of the form, and you have to remember what comics can do, what comics are good at, and what they can't do. So, like, for example, in, in, in horror film, sound is really important. You know, uh, a shocking sound makes people jump out of their seats, right. which, which, you know, it's the jump scare, which personally I actually think is really cheap. I mean, like, if I'm in a kitchen and someone drops a stack of pans behind me, I'm going to jump in terror. But that doesn't mean what they just did was a masterpiece of horror. It just means it was really noisy and, right. and we have a startle response. <laughs> in... <clears throat> In comic books, you have to control the reader's eye. So the reader is always looking where they want you to look. And then, and then, you know, they turn the page and they see something fresh that they didn't, they didn't expect. You, you, you get them off balance. Um, you can also control what they see in the frame. So to, you know, someone will look at something and they'll see what's in the foreground and then, and start to move on to the next panel and then look back because there's something in the background that they almost missed that's frightening. Right. Um, so it is possible, uh, uh, some people think it's, you know, it's been said that, that you actually can't do horror in comics. And I just, I think that's, I think that's nonsense and, and, and history proves it. It's nonsense. Um, in the 1940s and the 1950s, the biggest selling comic books were all horror titles. Right. So it was Tales from the Crypt. It was Vault right. of Horror. You know, um, Vault of Fear. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know um, and. There's always been this tremendous appetite for horror in the comic book world. What happened in the 1950s was uh, a psychologist named Frederick Wortham said that uh, that horror comics were turning kids into juvenile delinquents. Right, right. And there followed a, a battle, a, a battle fought out, you know, in Congress about whether or not comic books were healthy. And that battle presaged every cultural battle we've had uh, about <laughs> so art and true. entertainment in America so since. True. You know, uh, Elvis, you know, none burning stacks of Beatles records um, the argument about you know hair metal in the 80s and then gangster rap later the arguments we have about violent video games now um, it's the same conversation over and over again repeated ad nauseum but horror comics got it first yeah it was the uh, the Kufaver commission into you know looking into juvenile delinquency in Congress concluded that horror comics were horribly warping kids based on bogus evidence produced by Frederick Wortham that that was you know um, um, has well, since been has since been proved well, to be utter garbage well you know uh, dr. Caratilli who uh, who did that research that showed how bogus um, Wortham's methods were is actually, I think she's here at the show. She's been on the oh, podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, she's here. She just did a keynote speech yesterday, actually, which I missed. But, um, yeah, she went. She is a academic, as the doctor before her name suggests. Well, she did, like, she went and she went into the uh, to the files and found all these, like, you know, the, the data. Yeah, I mean, he basically had two or three cases of kids who had abused other kids who said that they got it from horror comics. Mm-hmm. But when you dug deep it turned out a lot of these kids had come from terrific abuse at home. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and were acting out family trauma that had, which is usually the case. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a work of it's art. It's not funny, but. It's not, well, I mean, sometimes a work of art or, or you know, uh, a, a religious text or, you know, something will provide a violent person with a script. That does happen, but it's almost never the cause of their violence. It only provides a map, you right. know, and if it wasn't that, they would have found a different map. Mm. Um, but, uh, but I mean, he had like bogus, I mean, like, like he had, he had a lot know, of course, face up evidence. correspondence and, you know, it was bogus. He had totally like, I mean, you know, actually, he was a big, you know, very modern. You're right, Joe. I mean, it completely presaged everything happening now. Comics provided a really interesting, <laughs> fertile battleground for psychological debate in the 1950s. I mean, you also had, uh, Marston, who created Wonder Woman. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, his whole, the whole, <laughs> Perverse, you know, yeah. delightfully uh, bizarre you know, lifestyle. Bizarro. Well, not bizarre. You know what? That's a very judgmental word. He had well, an alternate, an alternate lifestyle. It's not judgmental if you're if you're celebrating it. You yes, know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think you know he was open to some. You know, he had some 
ahead of his time ideas yes. about feminism and about sexuality, and he kind of subtly embedded it in in uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, with that in mind, in many ways, Wonder Woman was more transgressive than anything that was going on in the horror comics. But of course, the senators were too dumb to see it, <laughs> and so Wonder Woman got away with it, and Bill Gaines at, yeah. at EC Comics she, didn't. You seem like quite a student of comics history. Um. Well, I think if you're going to work in a in a field, it pays off to do the homework. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've read. Uh, there's a great book uh, people might want to check out called Ten Cent Play. Yes, by, great book uh, by David Hadju. Yes, yeah, David Hadju. You know, yeah. which is uh, a. Re- I mean, and I think that, like that's a great that's a great book to check out only because you get to see this template, this stupid template that we keep. You know, uh, we keep having we keep having to perform this same play. Over and over again, um, and and uh, we saw it recently happen about there was a lot of you know sturm and drang around, around the release of Joker, mm-hmm. um, you know about how unsafe it was going to be, and you know <laughs> corrupting for kids and corrupting for our politics, and you know in retrospect, it turned out to be nonsense. Yeah, well, a, a bunch of bunch of nonsense. It was a great film with a beautiful central performance that that was you know very much in the tradition of, of films that had come before like Death Wish and Taxi Driver and somehow the culture survived those films um, but you know um, but people people have a hard time getting outside of their history. Well there moment. I will say this in defense of the people who were worried about Joker that there had there was a literal history of, of violence surrounding people dressing was, up as the Joker. So there was, was, there, was yes. there was a case so it, yeah. there was a case of a man suffering from, you know, severely mentally ill man whose psychiatrist said, we should keep this guy away from (laughs) weapons, we should be red flagging this guy, you know, and and I will say again, and he did walk into a theater in Aurora, uh, Colorado, and uh, a whole bunch of people died. And it was terrible. It could not possibly have been influenced by the film, which was just being released that day. It was like opening night. Well, um, don't but, let facts get in the way. Well, well, of and the I mean, narrative, I mean and ultimately, and and ultimately, the, the ultimately, you know, the guy needed medical medical intervention, and um, you know, he needed uh, uh, pharmacological support. What would what would so so the right way for for culture in in my Admittedly, you know, I've only got my opinion. I, you know, and I, but in my opinion, we would be better served by having comprehensive health care, where people who are struggling with mental illness can get the support they need and and get the help they need and the medicine they need. You know, and I think that's probably a better way to tackle violence in our society than to say, you know, um, a comic book movie is dangerous. Right. And I mean, and I think the proof of it, which has been noted before, and again, we keep having the same damn argument. We've been having the same damn argument since the 1950s. You know, somehow Batman manages to come out in Japan and no one gets shot. You know, no one gets killed. You know, the same violent video games come out in Denmark and no one gets killed. Isn't that funny? And, and you're like, it's why so is bizarre. it? I don't know. Could it, have something know. To, could it have something to do with everyone having health care and no one having guns? Maybe? No. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm being sarcastic, listeners, as you know. Um, you know, we need to, to look at that, uh, all of that evidence. You know, Joe, I saw you on uh, the DC Nation panel yesterday, and you were throwing these great questions out at, yeah. you know, have you, do you do a podcast, or do you do anything like that? Um, I think you're a natural. Oh, you're very kind. Um, <laughs> giving them ideas. You Everybody know, from DC in the room is, is staring daggers at me, by the way. <laughs> there, there, are two, there are two writers who are like my North and South Pole, you know, who have really sort of, well, well three or four, actually, you know, my... My mom, my dad, Neil Gaiman, all come to mind as people who really mean a lot to me and help me figure out how to do my job. You know, and, but one thing I've noticed about my dad and Neil is like I only live in a 24-hour day. But Neil and my dad have like 28-hour days right. or something. They just have more time than everyone else somehow. Because <laughs> somehow like Neil manages to like, you know, you know, uh, uh, write comics and novels and screenplays and it all gets done and stuff. And he hits his deadlines and stuff happens. Well, sometimes he hits yeah. his deadlines. But anyway, stuff happens, you know, when he's like he can keep up and produce this incredible quantity of work. And like I just feel like I have no time. Yeah. Like I just – I can't imagine doing a podcast. How could I do – I can't – you know, I mean I can barely do – I have a newsletter that I keep forgetting I have. 
have. Right. You know, and and um, so I just don't think I just don't think that I could do a podcast. Cause I don't think I could do one more thing. Right. Than I'm already doing. I actually have a short story I want to write about Neil about how he's got a watch that goes to 16. <laughs> so he's got like four extra hours and stuff, and that's how he manages to get everything yeah. written. That we, would be so well, cool. Well, you know, uh, uh, Neil definitely has a time turner, but you know, Alan Moore also. I mean, he I mean, he is Doctor Manhattan. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, totally. He lives in all times at once. I guess you know? <laughs> he'd be the first to admit that there might be some pharmacological. Um, well, you know, I've never done. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. I've, t- I've thought about this many times. You know, I've. I've never, I've never done drugs, never smoked the joint, never wanted to mess around with my brain, had no interest in it, you know, and, and probably, probably a good idea. This too, is not because, a statement Alan Moore would make. Uh, well, no, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, but if, you know, if I came over to Alan's house in North, Northampton and he was like, you know, you want to eat shrooms and, and, you know, worship my snake god with me for a while, I'd be like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, because I'm like a guest in his house and I feel like if I'm going to eat shrooms with anyone, I might as well eat them with Alan. Yes, apparently he says he doesn't have, they, they barely have any effect on him. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was also, I had, I had heard something like, you know, I think he's, I, I, he, he had said something like he'd eaten them every day for, for like a decade. And if that is true, and I may have misheard it, um, but if, if, if that is true, yeah, I imagine they, you know, it's probably don't yeah. make a dent. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing some of these, uh, these, um. He's you know, a writer though. Man, he's a writer. I mean, Voice of the Fire, uh, Voice of the, his first novel sort of won the Booker Award. Did you read Jerusalem? <laughs> no, I have not read Jerusalem. I have, I have the galley, and I should actually say I have the galleys because it's in two volumes because yes. it's so big. I bet it's brilliant, though. It is. I you, bet it's incredibly it's, readable. Well, I asked him about it, and he said with the voice of the fire, and everybody says the first chapter is so hard to read. I and love I, it. And I said, why did you do that? And he said, I made it so that and once you got through that, you really were rewarded for reading the rest of the book. I think the first chapter is great in Voice of the Fire. I mean, I just, I just think, I just think, you know, it was published with a small press. And if it had not been published with a small press, if it had a yeah. big press release with, you know, a big, <coughs> marketing does matter. You know, and if it had the kind of marketing budget it deserved, he would be a Booker Prize winner yeah. right now alongside Ian McEwen yeah. and, you know. I think you're, I think you're right. I'm all right. They're giving me the high son. I want to ask you one more question. Um, Joe, you grew up in Maine? Yep. Yeah, I, my family also lives in Maine. Uh, so how do you compare Maine cold to Chicago cold? <laughs> um, well, you know, I'm here, so I'm here for uh, uh, C2, E2, you know, um, and and so I don't really leave the hotel or anything, you know, or the convention hall. So I don't really have much of an impression of, um, you know, of what it's like outside here. I do know um, that, you know, growing up, I always assumed that, that Metropolis <laughs> was New York City and Gotham was Chicago, yeah. you know, and I still kind of feel when I look it out at the skyline, like at night, I expect to see the bat signal against it, the clouds. It, it is. It's it's a very Gotham-esque uh, city. It's, it is quite beautiful, but I will say it is quite cold here right now, um, and uh, it, it's not even that cold for Chicago, so... Uh, anyway, Joe, thank you so much. This has been delightful. What a great time. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Thanks for talking to me. And there will be more to come. Anyway, that was that was fun. I hope I get to do that again someday, talk to people in person. That was great. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. I mean, Seems <laughs> like a, you know, something that we've lost forever. But, yeah. Yeah, a, a little bit of podcast magic here, listeners. Um, I swear... Some of our interviews, nay, a lot of our interviews are genuinely conducted in person. Yes. But uh, that's probably not going to happen for a while. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess there will be more to come.